Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are all these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Uh, hi Dave. Hey. Uh, thank you for hovering around my little tiny Your microphone. Ball. <laughs> my ball. Sex nerds, we're here in Dave's apartment again. You know why? Because everyone has amazingly crazy schedules and we haven't been able to book much studio time. Yeah, it hasn't happened. Yeah, so I've been a microphone like ninja, just like stealing in. Ninja? Yeah. Just get in there, get the audio, get out, let's do this thing. Sex nerd time. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> So uh, we have this amazing, wonderful interview that we did with Marty Klein at uh, Catalyst Con. Yeah, that was fun. So we're going to get into that in just a minute. But first, dates. Not the kind that you get to like wine and dine someone and then make out with them. Not that kind of date. Oh, right. Tour dates. Yes. Tour dates. Or in my case, LA dates. Yay! Oh, yeah, you have an LA date. What's your <laughs> LA date? One of my tour dates is the same as your LA date. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. October 11th. Okay, friends. October 11th for me is going to be the start of a new show I'm doing over at Meltdown called Sex Nerds Unite. That's you. That's me and our allies. Mainly, I have a lot of emails with lots of questions, and it is way more fun to talk about these answers to these questions live than it is to write a in the dark alone in my apartment back to you. So I realize... I'm going to just have a great time at Meltdown, October 11th at 9 p.m., talking about uh, questions people have, and people can come with their own questions, and I will totally crowdsource the audience, too, to kind of, like, you know, let's all just put our heads together and figure this out, guys. So it's going to be, like, crazy fun. So please come on out and uh, join the party. Sex Nerds Unite. Ha! Dave, you, as he lights up a cigarette. Ominously. I wanted to time that perfectly. It was so uh, ominous. Uh, like, wait. What are your dates? Well, I'll tell you what my dates are. <laughs> I, uh, why don't I tell you? I um, I am doing the uh, San Francisco Comedy and Burrito Festival. Ooh. Yeah, which is a real thing. I'm really excited because uh, comedy and burritos are basically my two favorite things. Is Nerdist going to be there? Um, I don't know, actually. But it's burritos, I, Dave. No, I know. I know. I uh, I would imagine that some of them are. I don't remember what the entire lineup is, but I would bet you, I would be really surprised if Jonah weren't at the burrito festival. He's like the burrito guy. Yeah. I would say he was the burrito king, but that's a restaurant right down the street from here. (laughs) It is. Um, Uh, But also, I mean, I would love to be the burrito queen. I really love burritos. (laughs) I really enjoy my burritos. burrito queen sounds so (laughs) evil. I am the burrito queen. (laughs) Uh, so you're going to be... Stay away from the burritos. <laughs> so October 11th, uh, that's a Thursday? Sounds this like a Thursday. a Thursday, yeah. Uh, in LA, come out to see me. In San Francisco, go out to see Dave. Yeah. If you want exact locations and stuff, you can go to sfcomedyandburritofestival.com or you can go to my website, davetotheross.com. Excellent. Okay. Next on the agenda. Ooh, this is a little request that I have from you, friends, uh, because I am... Trying to update my website just so I can, uh, you know, do that whole being better about putting my knowledge and thoughts out there to the world. And part of it also is I want to hear from you. I do appreciate uh, questions that you've emailed, but if you just have a 
a way that this podcast has changed your life or affected your uh, love life, sex life in a particular way, please shoot me a little email with the subject line story or stories to help me kind of gather what this podcast has done for the people listening. That would be so helpful to me. But subject line story or stories so I can gather them all. Excellent. Okay. Hi, Dave. Hey. I got really excited about that. As you should. I want to hear. I want to hear those stories. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's warm fuzzies all around. You yeah, know? you should come. You should make different email addresses: questions at sexnerdsandra dot com, stories at sexnerdsandra dot com, inappropriate photos. At yeah, sexnerds. dicks, dicks <laughs> at sexnerdsandra dot com. Uh, Speaking of dicks, oh right, <laughs> yeah, this guy uh, emailed me. Actually, he's emailed me a couple times and asked me for advice. And I responded. By the way, can I first say, um, I said uh, a few episodes ago that I answer every email that I get. And that is still true. Uh, but it is about to not be true. Because uh, once I said that, I, I got like a, a like a huge volume of emails. So I do my best to answer them all. But uh, there's just so many now that I, I'm, I might have to uh, let some go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. When I started the podcast, like over a year ago and I was like yeah send me emails I had no idea no idea what would come of that so mm-hmm. it's a lot as of now I haven't missed one yet and there are a few sitting in my inbox that I'm going to either later tonight or tomorrow answer but it's like a beautiful but, thing to to see the wonderful people that listen and, and to connect with them in that way oh it's yeah gift. it's great it's great I uh, I love reading about I don't know. There's so many. What's really funny is that there's so many shared experiences. There's lots of common questions, you know? It's lots of. Most questions uh, that are people asking for advice are someone basically saying, What do I do? Like, that's, <laughs> that's the most common email I think that we get. But, but, but why? <laughs> uh, and I agree with you. I always ask that question. I was just writing back to this guy today, and he asked uh, about his. Um, because speaking about because I know this question is about boners and that he is with a gal that he really likes and he hasn't been with someone for a very long time and he just cannot get it up like he's not getting hard Weird. and he's like what do I do I mean we're safe we're in a good place everything's fine and it's like honestly if you haven't had sex with someone that long you're probably just freaking out and your body's literally having um, a fight or flight response that you just and you need gotta to get out of there man yeah and what did I write I tweeted I'm freaked that freaked out yeah, don't get don't get freaked out. But I said, like you have to uh, neutralize that by relaxing, and that will um, basically uh, your uh, parasympathetic and your sympathetic ner- nervous systems are in uh, non-alignment, and you need to regulate and relax, and that will help your cock um, get hard. Because otherwise, your your body's thinking it needs to run from a bear, but instead it's sex. Yeah, you don't need to get hard when you're running from a bear. I do. <laughs> Only if you want to turn around and run it, chase after it the other way. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Okay, look, I fuck bears, all right? <laughs> um, In West Hollywood. Anxiety is such a killer, man. It's such a killer. There's so many times when it doesn't feel like you're anxious, too. It just feels like you can't get it up. Right. But no, you're totally just yeah. Ten- panicking. Tension city. Now, so this guy's got a different problem. Yeah, I, I love this question um, because... It is – I mean, what's funny is that it's basically a like w- what they would call a good problem to have. Uh, it's not necessarily a good problem to have, but I – okay, I'll just say it. Here it is. Um, 
I have something that is frequently an issue, and I don't quite understand it, really. It happens when I'm alone, when I'm around friends, when I'm around family, and when I'm around strangers. A specific time it will happen without doubt is when I'm sleepy. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Uh, What I'm talking about is what I like to call NRB, no reason boners. (laughs) Very nice, very nice. Oh, man. Are NRBs something you've ever experienced in your life before? If your answer is yes, then how exactly do you deal with it? It can be a pretty troublesome thing to to have come up, no pun intended, when you're in a college class about to give a presentation or something like that. Recently, I turned 25, so I can only assume it isn't puberty hormones. But then again, who knows? I haven't any idea of the hormones the body produces and when, where, or why it does it. If you have any tips for me, they would be extremely appreciated. If it is any relation to being possibly part of the issue, I am a virgin still. Also, I have been single for many years now. Um, and then he, at the bottom, gives us permission to use his name. But, you know. Wait, so he doesn't mention his masturbation at all? Or would he... No, not at all. I mean, yeah, still a virgin at 25. I mean, I could see being horny all the time. <laughs> I mean, no reason boners, yeah. I mean, that still happens to me. It happened to me really, really frequently when I was like 15. Yeah, raise your hand wherever you are right now if you get no reason boners, if you're a dude. Guess what? Every guy raised their hand. <laughs> Every single guy. Maybe not with the frequency that you... I'm smoking, by the way. I love that I can smoke in my apartment while we record this. And uh, I mean, and I'm just figuring I'm going to eat more broccoli tomorrow and, and even that out, you know? What? You know, like you know, like you eat a candy bar, you eat an apple, like you're on smoking, you eat like some broccoli. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I getting smoke in your face? No, I mean it's just well, it's just like if we're in a that's just the way of of life. But that's sure. okay. I am choosing to spend time with you in a room, so I know what I'm getting into. <laughs> that's know? a very good point. I choose to be around the smoke. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So I, it's interesting. It's it's really interesting. I I mean, it must be happening so frequently. And just in, and just so fiercely, you know, in order for it to be difficult for it to, to suppress. Because I, man, I do have a terrible fear of um, having a boner right before I get called on stage to do stand-up. Mm-hmm. But I think that the stress and just anticipation and excitement of doing stand-up would make that go away. Mm-hmm. And I'll bet you it would be similar, like giving a presentation in a college class. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I, I wrote him back and told him to uh, ask a doctor, but that I thought that really all you probably had to do was make yourself not horny. But I don't know. Well, I mean, the body is going to. I mean, like, as a female, I, I've experienced my body get just genital arousal, even if I'm not necessarily turned on. Just kind of like women can just get wet, you know, to regulate the. Sure. You know, the vag. But. Um, I wish I'd looked into my guide to getting it on because I know that there's a chapter on penile uh, operation. That sounds really <laughs> that penile is penile operation. That sounds way too technical. Why do I sometimes? I sometimes I make you know it's, it's fun. okay. I, roboto. Um, I say ostensibly a lot. Hmm. So something you're so smart. Oh man, you're so you're smart. so smart. God. I used to say the word solipsist a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I used to use contrarian a lot. Yeah, contrarian's yeah. a good one. Being so contrarian. Solipsist is a really good word. You can, mm. you can reference anyone anyone you don't like as a solipsist unfairly. 
Um, but when it comes to your body uh, and getting hard-ons, that sounds really normal. I mean, you're not everything you said in that uh, email just sounds very normal to me. And just because you're outside of like the the 15 year old zone doesn't mean it's it's necessarily going to go away. I mean, you're you're in prime sexual time, so your body wants to mate a lot. Yeah, for real. Um, and I like that you, you've noticed that when you get sleepy, it happens because you're also, just like we just talked about the other guy, you're relaxing. Yeah. Every time I get tired, uh, like every time I get horny, mm-hmm. unless I like have something to do, but uh, even then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of cool that you're that, that you have that big of a libido. You know, yeah, but I mean, I have you talked broadcast to broadcast this. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> but people who have a heightened or um, hypersexual functioning, uh, hyper meaning that it happens more than they would like, it can be dis- frustrating. I, I realize, or that. Um, even putting uh, when your emotions and where you're at and how your body is reacting sexually don't match. Like when, uh, like women will report having orgasms for no reason, like that their just body will be orgasmic for just for nothing and it can be really upsetting sure yeah. and and it's just kind of interesting how some how not aligned we can be with our bodies and how frustrating that can be but you know just wear tighter underwear friend tighter underwear or looser <laughs> oh well looser pants tighter underwear to like sure. keep it right oh I see to just keep it tent. in check yeah. yeah right right I mean let's, oh, that's good advice yeah yeah and uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe masturbate, like, a lot more. <laughs> right. but it's pr- I never thought I'd give anyone that piece of advice. So I'm sticking with what we're saying right now. If something else, because, I mean, we have kind of noticed I can be pretty geeky about the penis. Um, but if anything else comes my way, <laughs> penis geek. <laughs> then I will uh, update this. Anyway, uh, Dave, you think we should uh, play Marty Klein's? Sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is all about emotion, politics, and sexuality. And it's very interesting, especially um, what's going on in the world um, for the last several years. I want to talk with you, Dave, a little bit after about some thoughts I have. Is that clear? Yeah? Okay. Yeah? You want to stick around? Uh, Yeah, I live here. Oh, right. (laughs) So I just won't leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Hello, sex nerds. Dave and I are here again at the conference. Hello. We're in another hotel room. <laughs> Just constant hotel rooms. Yeah. We sleep around. <laughs> so we are here and have stolen another wonderful, uh, brilliant human being for we the show. We kidnapped somebody. Um, totally. Uh, you said stolen. Yeah. He totally. He's ours in at least 20 minutes. <laughs> so Dr. Marty Klein is here to impart some wonderful stuff that we, um, well, I heard at the panel last night, the opening plenary, about um, emotion in politics and uh, sexuality and how that's playing out in the election year that we're having and all that. Um, Dr. Marty Klein, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Will you, because um, you're, you've done a lot of wonderful work. Can you just uh, share with our listeners uh, what you've been working on for the last several decades of awesome good stuff you're doing? Sure. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified sex therapist for 30 years. I've written seven books. 
my uh, new book is from HarperCollins. It's called Sexual Intelligence, What We Really Want from Sex and How to Get It. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the work that I've done in the political and the sociological arena. As you know, my sixth book, my last book, was the award-winning America's War on Sex, The Attack on Law, Lust, and Liberty. Yes, and it's got a very sexy cover. As well it should. Uh, And in this book, I talk about the ways in which uh, a coalition of the religious right and local governments and some non-governmental organizations and conservative uh, so-called feminist groups are um, attacking sexuality on many different fronts. As I describe in the book, uh, the fronts include sex education, reproductive rights, sexual minorities, the Internet, and it's something that uh, touches pretty much everyone, the war on sex. Um, One thing that I was so excited to hear you say this yesterday because – when you'd mentioned this about the war on sex, and I'd thought about this um, myself, and so when you said it, I was like, ah, oh, and it was really about um, the emotional aspects and how people, if we, tra- you said if we tax car owners of a particular brand, all those car owners will band together and be like, don't do that. But if you want to tax something in the, in the sex arena, people don't want to out themselves. And so it's a really juicy way to start getting into uh, politics. Can you talk on that a little bit? Yes. As I said, if car owners... <laughs> um, what I talked about was that if you want to undermine secular democracy in the United States, if you want to undermine the separation of church and state, if you want to undermine science as the basic of, basis of public policy, sexuality is the absolute best vehicle to use to do that. And one of the reasons, one of the many reasons, is that People are very hesitant in American society to, as you call it, out themselves, or as I would say, to identify themselves as citizens uh, and who are actors or consumers in the sexual arena. And so um, the normal way that democracy works is that there's a certain amount of pushing and shoving of competing interests. Uh, People who are Chevrolet owners might be pushing and shoving with uh, parking lot owners and with bicycle riders and uh, on the legislative arena, on the lobbying area. But when it comes to sexuality, citizens are not willing to self-identify as, I go to strip clubs and I vote. I um, get an abortion and I vote. I demand that uh, the zoning regulations be changed so that we don't uh, exclude adult bookstores from this community. And as long as people are not willing to stand up in that way, there's a limitation to how well democracy is going to work. And that's exactly what we see today. Can you, just to, to, uh, to give us sort of like a, a, a baseline to shoot off from, uh, can you give an example uh, of somewhere or, or some way that this has happened uh, in recent history? I'm sure that there are a myriad, but I mean... Sure, I'd be be happy to give you an example. In the state of Texas, uh, the state legislature decided that they wanted to tax strip clubs, strip club participation, strip club um, uh, patronage. So in the state of Texas, if you buy a ticket to go to the ballet or if you buy a ticket to go to see um, Shakespeare, you don't have to pay a special tax. But if you go to a strip club, you have to pay a special tax. 
it's humorously been called a poll tax. <laughs> um, so the th- so the thing is, the thing is, how many people in Texas who go to strip clubs are willing to call their local state representative, who are willing to write a letter to the editor of the newspaper, who are willing to go to a town hall meeting and say, wait, wait, wait. I live right here in Amarillo. I live right here in Fort Worth. I live right here in Galveston. And I go to strip club two, three times a year, and I don't get why I have to pay a special tax. How many people in Texas are willing to do that? Uh, And the answer is zero. The answer is virtually none. Um, People have to be accountable to their marital partner. People have to worry about their jobs. People don't want their neighbors to say to their kids, you can't play with Joey anymore because his daddy goes to strip clubs. And so the state of Texas passed this thing, um, and the idea of taxing strip clubs is really gaining a lot of momentum. It, for me, it raises constitutional issues because the government is not supposed to be able to tax expression based on the content of the expression. Um, so, you know, the government's allowed to put a tax on newspapers, but it can't say, well, newspapers that run stories about the Boston Red Sox, they're taxed specially. Oh, I see. That's that's a good point. Uh, interesting. Yeah, because I was going to say, to play devil's advocate, that, that there are a lot of vices that are taxed. Uh, they're starting to tax coffee in some states and cigarettes. Sure, because, because coffee is not a form of expression. Sure. The government does not guarantee your right to drink coffee. The government doesn't guarantee your right to have curtains in your house. The government doesn't guarantee your right to have shoes. And so the government can pass as many taxes as it wants about those things. But... Once you get into the realm of expression, once you get into newspapers, um, once you get into the Internet, once you get into arguably is stripping a form of expression, once you get into that, then if the government wants to tax all entertainment, it can do that. If the government wants to tax all newspapers, it can do that. But again, the government's not supposed to tax discriminatorily based on the content of the expression. Sure. Well, I would imagine then that the core of that debate would be uh, is – I mean like you said, not only is stripping expression but is uh, is sex in general acceptable and expression instead of just, uh, you know, something that people feel the need to do, something taboo. You know what I mean? So I guess I I would say how would you – how would you plan to go about combating that? Would the first thing you need to do to be convinced to convince people that sex is expression and is, is an acceptable thing for everyone to be a part of? In order for something to be covered by the First Amendment, it doesn't have to be acceptable. It just has to be expression. Okay. So um, a newspaper that, that wants to run pictures of, uh, of dying dogs on the front page, you know, that'd probably not be acceptable but it is a form of expression, and as such, it's protected by the government just as much as putting lovable puppies on the front page. So the question is not, is sexuality um, acceptable? Although, if it were more socially acceptable, we'd have a lot less conflict about what is and is not expression. Uh, But the question is, is sexual expression expression? And uh, that seems pretty clear to people like us that, yes, it is. It's up to us. Uh, to talk to other people about sexuality. And that leads to your question, Sandra, about 
um, about uh, emotion and public policy. Right. Ooh, good segue. Nice. Because what we have today is there is one political group that talks about people's emotions. There's one political group that talks about people's fears and anxieties, the aspirations they have for their children, the kinds of marriages they want to have, and that group is the religious right. They're great at addressing the questions that people have in real life. Most people don't walk around thinking about global warming. Most people do walk around thinking about their kids. Most people do walk around thinking about, is my wife having an affair? Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things that people think about. Is my kid going to get kidnapped on the way home from school? So the religious right talks about these very um, reasonable issues. They talk about these very important issues. We're running around with the bizarre idea that all you have to do is give people facts and that will change their behavior. Well, you know, people don't work like that. The way that people work is on an emotional level. We need to figure out a way to pursue our political work where we're addressing the emotional issues that people have, not just shoveling facts at them. Let's just all take a moment to like let that... Soaking well. Yeah, I really loved that. It never occurred to me. It literally had never occurred to me uh, that the Democrats, and I guess uh, wider than that, the uh, liberals, progressives, um, don't talk about that stuff because we're totally we're just afraid uh, of what everyone will think of us or or how we'll be shut down. Yeah, that's great. There are plenty of people who should just speak up about how open they are about sex and their emotions or whatever. Well, it's not just, yes, and it's not just that. It's not just, let me tell you about my feelings. It's, let me listen to your feelings, even when you're not explicitly talking about them. Let me listen so creatively that I understand that what you're really talking about is your fear that your kids are at risk. Let me listen so creatively that I understand that what you're really talking about is that your wife is going to be in danger when she walks down the street. Let me listen creatively, and then let me tell you, before I tell you why pornography actually doesn't hurt anybody, let me let you know that I understand that you're concerned that um, certain kinds of sexual energy can be dangerous to people. Let me tell you, let me let you know that I understand you're concerned about what your kids are learning about sex, how they're going to be exposed to things that they're not prepared to cope with, which is a completely legitimate um, concern. Yeah. Now, we have the facts that say, you know what? Kids learning the word uterus when they're eight years old, that doesn't hurt them. My friend Deborah Hafner was on Bill O'Reilly, and he said that, of course, he's in favor of kids learning accurate words, but that the word uterus goes too far. That when kids, <laughs> when kids learn the word uterus at too young an age, it robs them of their innocence. Now, before we roll our eyes and say, what a moron. And I actually did roll my eyes. Did you roll your eyes, Dave? No. Oh. I widened my eyes. Oh, okay. I did that. Before we widen or roll our eyes <laughs> or call that moron a moron, yeah. the political work on our part needs to be, okay, 
what what is the emotional need that Bill O'Reilly is addressing when he talks about how a magic combination of syllables could steal a child's innocence? How is it that people buy that crap? How is it that somebody can listen to that and say, yeah, that's right, some magic syllables can steal my eight-year-old's innocence? That's what we need to address. And we need to say explicitly, you know what, Bill? I totally understand. Nobody wants their kids' innocence to be stolen. None of us want our kids exposed to sexual things that they can't handle. None of us wants our kids to grow up and be cynical and bitter and, you know, to use sex in in the wrong way. None of us wants that, and I'm really sympathetic about that. And so here's what I tell parents about that. That's the way we need to approach that. And what I tell parents, what I personally tell parents when I'm doing my political work, you know, when I'm home having a glass of wine, I roll my eyes or I bug my eyes. I'm with you. you know. But when I'm doing my work, my response is, yeah, I really understand. Nobody wants their kids to lose their innocence unnecessarily. And nobody wants their kids to be exposed to sexual material that they can't handle. So here's how I think of words like the word uterus. I think it's a way of celebrating kid's reality. You know, the reality, kid, is that you have a uterus or you have nipples or whatever it is that you have, and you've got to take care of that body. That body is gorgeous and precious, and you want to take care of that thing. You know, I, I know if you give a kid a beat-up, crappy old third-hand bicycle, they don't take such good care of it. But if you give a kid a brand-new, shiny bicycle, and the kid says, wow, what a beautiful new bike. I'm going to take care of that. That's right. Well, teaching kids the names for their body parts is part of teaching kids how to cherish their bodies and make sure that they take good care of their bodies. And that's what we want to do. That's what every parent wants. Every parent wants their kids to take good care of their bodies, whatever that means to them. Well, we want to line up right behind that and say, yeah, I want kids to take good care of their bodies too. And you know, I think learning the right words vagina, vulva, uterus, that's part of learning about this amazing thing that you have. If you're religious, you call it a gift from God. If you're not religious, you just call it, wow, pretty amazing. (laughs) But either way, either way, it's what the young people used to call awesome. I don't know what they call it anymore. It's what, you know, people say, it's an awesome thing. Uh, Sandra, you know, you and Dave, awesome. Uh... (laughs) We want, thank, thank you, doctor. We want, young people, we want young people to look in the mirror and say, tall, short, fat, skinny, I got an awesome bag of bones here, and I'm going to take care of it. And what better way to take care of your body than to have names for the things? Yeah. And that's a lot different than uterus steals your kid's innocence. What are you, nuts? That really is uh, insane. Uh, <laughs> as I think about it, that's one of the crazier things. And I initially would be like, that's ridiculous because that just doesn't – and then you're stupid, you know, and like you just – because then I'm triggered as someone who wants everyone to, you know, honor science and accuracy and and just – Well, it's insane because he's saying it. It's insane because he's someone with multiple college degrees who uh, who – I mean he's obviously a smart person. It's not insane that someone can believe that because we live in this society, you know what I mean? 
And I, I love what you said about changing the dialogue. But him, he he needs to go away. I fucking, okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay, it's okay. It's okay. We, we all feel things. So, Sandra, when you say that, just now, when you say, um, I have such an intense emotional reaction to that. I say, yes, I totally relate to that. And the work, the work starts not when we're out there talking to people to change their attitudes. The work starts when we learn how to manage our own emotions about this. When you're faced with a Bill O'Reilly or a Sean Hannity, when you're faced with the lady down the street, and what you really want to say is, lady, that's nuts, the work starts where we can handle our own emotion and we can say, honestly, you know, I understand that you might feel that way. I think maybe I can add something to how you think about this, but I totally understand why you have that feeling. And, to the, and, and believe me when I tell you, that's hard work, right? It's hard work to get there. But for everybody who's out there doing their progressive sex blogs, for everybody who's out there typing away and saying, this one's a jerk and this one's a jerk and come on, give me a break. You know, what I say is do some work. Do some work so that you can say something a little bit more useful than Bill O'Reilly is a jerk because that doesn't move anybody anywhere. Um, it, it makes me think that, I mean, really, we all do have an inner Bill O'Reilly that has is emotion, like just processing things in a really odd way. And, and we have our own inner, you know, pseudo-truths that aren't really true that you bring up emotions to turn that compassion inward and to be able to sit with our own weird feelings and be like, I understand how you feel that way, Sandra, but really, you know, it, it's okay. Or I, I feel like the, those no, skills, no, no, I'm sorry. No. no, we don't need to give ourselves more compassion. We need to give ourselves uh, more toughness and more self-discipline. Self-discipline is not the same thing as compassion. Most people don't need to give themselves more compassion only. In addition to the compassion, they need to uh, have a little more self-discipline. That's what's missing from a lot of young people sex blogging right now. There isn't enough self-discipline. Define self-discipline. Self-discipline is the willingness to put your emotions aside and communicate in a thoughtful way, in a sophisticated way, that people who disagree with you can relate to. It's easy to talk to somebody who agrees with you and sound brilliant. Can you talk to somebody who disagrees with you and say something that they didn't think of before and say it in a way that they have to stop and pay attention? That's the hard part. And that's the satisfaction of defining your terms. You get those little gems. Um, Dr. Marty Klein, where can it, people find out more about you uh, if they want to seek you out for... Well, they should listen to this podcast over and over. <laughs> I mean, what else is there? I'm based in Palo Alto, California. That's an hour south of San Francisco. You probably think I should talk about my blog, which is Sexual Intelligence, and you can get there at www.sexualintelligence.org. My website, like anybody would do, is martykline.com, right? Um, Dr. Marty Klein or just Marty no, no, Klein? No. MartyKlein.com. And uh, I actually have people calling me on this, this old-fashioned thing called a telephone, which really works. Uh, but um, uh, I have, uh, I've, as I said, I have seven books out there. And um, if people go to my website, I have lots of articles about sexuality. And my thing is not to, um, 
not to make people who agree with me uh, say, yeah, that's right, but rather I'm writing for people who don't necessarily agree with me. The other thing that I like to do is I like to write for people who agree with me and give them a vocabulary, not just facts, but in addition to facts, give them a vocabulary so that when they're done reading an article or a blog post, um, they'll say, not only do I agree with this guy, now I know how I'm going to talk about it the next time I need to talk about it. That's what I want to do. Because we still, we're still defining our terms. We're still, um, we're still learning, I think, we're still learning what are the cultural narratives that we need to be challenging. And when someone asks us a question or someone makes an assertion that's sitting in a toxic narrative, we don't need to answer that question. We need to challenge the narrative. And again, that means really listening to the question. So when Bill O'Reilly says, um, well, everybody knows that uh, actresses in porn films, they've all been kidnapped or every single one of them has been abused or they're imported from uh, Eastern Europe uh, and it's just a horrifying thing. You know, rather than say, you know, that is the biggest crock I ever heard, we need to challenge that narrative. We say, you know, Bill... I understand that when people are afraid of sexuality or that when people are uncomfortable with sexuality, they naturally assume that anybody who volunteers to be a stripper, you know, they they couldn't possibly be doing it from a place of free will. I totally understand that, Bill. You know, so maybe we need to talk about the idea that sex is by its very nature dangerous and needs to be controlled. Let's talk about that. We'll get to the strippers another time. And maybe we do and maybe we don't. Have you actually been on the show yet? No. They, they asked me to be on the show, but it was one of those, have you stopped beating your wife lately? And, um, I mean, I get asked to be on the national shows. Like, um, I was asked to do an Oprah once. It was um, high school students who were um, stripping to, to collect money to go to college. And would I be on Oprah and talk about that? And I said no, because I just didn't see any way that that was going to work out. Mm-hmm. Either I was going to say well, that's a terrible thing, and shame these kids and have everybody gang up on these kids. Or I was going to say, uh, you know, I think that's great, and then everybody gang up on me. And, <laughs> and frankly, I don't think it's great that high school girls, you know, that 15-year-old girl strip to make money to go to college. What I would say is, uh, and this is not what Oprah was interested in, you know, what I would say is, number one, why does anybody have to go against their own values in order just to make money to go to college? Or why does anybody at 15 need to be thinking about money at all? It's hard enough being 15 without thinking about how am I going to raise $120,000. That's the first thing that I would say. Let's talk about educational policy in the United States. The second thing that I would talk about is um, what exactly is it that troubles people about people stripping in general? Let's talk about that. The problem when you talk about 15-year-old stripping is that they're minors. And American society is 100 percent in agreement that there are different rules for minors than there are for adults. And if you're going to challenge that idea, stripping is not the the hill you want to die on. If you want to challenge the idea that minors, uh, you know, should have different rights than adults, don't talk about stripping because that's (laughs) just not going to be helpful. So we need to pick our battles, I think. Thank you so much in this wonderful packed con to take a little time with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to talk to you guys, and I appreciate the work that you're doing educated our colleagues. And so that was Marty Klein here on NPR. <laughs> oh, man. 
Who was that character? I don't know, but she's on NPR. I, don't know. I, I think part- it sounded so much more sultry than an NPR. And that was Marty Klein on NPR. Uh, hi, I'm Michelle Norris. Actually, no, got to get in my broadcasting voice. What are what are is the guy uh, part of that? All the guys have like pretty regular names, and all the women. Hi, I'm Michelle Norris. Hi, I'm Kajan Cermak. It's <laughs> uh, a great name. Kajan Cermak. I know. I was supposed to do a show with her a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and her car, like she got her car failed in some way on the way. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's, it's it's too bad twice because I would have loved to do the show with her, and she's a traffic reporter. Mm-hmm. So the whole night it was just traffic jokes. So thanks, Kajan. Aw, thanks. Um, now, so, I realize that NPR would be a format. Like, well, there's a joke that Terry Gross, like, there's this video where she just goes home with the, the guest from her interview show and then just keeps talking to them in an interview format and he stays for dinner and, like, he, I think he stays while, like, she's having sex with her husband, like, and just keeps on interviewing him through... And, like, that's what I do just off the podcast is I'll sure. just talk to people and just keep acting like I'm in an interview. Really? So I'm just, like, yeah, like, when you I You mean that's people, how you talk to people? Yeah, if, especially if I'm meeting new people, I just will talk to them like it's a podcast and be like, tell me more about that. Really? Interesting. Very oh, sure. Interesting. Yeah, I do that too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then triangulate. I, I don't know. It just it gets to be very um, – like I'm drawing information out of you for the good of all, except there's no one listening right now. I think what you're saying is that you could be an NPR DJ. <laughs> yeah, you have like, to change your name but like naughty probably. I don't know if I could be that serious all the time. Well, yeah, you could have a naughty show. They need a naughty show on NPR. Actually, like they do said, need a sexual you got to change your name. To, oh, something more interesting. Yeah. Cassandra. That's ah, not even weird enough. Ah, Hi, ah. I'm Brick Brack Dory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, it's actually a great... <laughs> Brick Brack? <laughs> oh, so uh, we just listened to Marty Klein. I loved talking to him about... Uh, Emotion and people's weird feelings around outing themselves in the political realm when it comes to sex. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it's true. It's too bad. It's too bad. I think about that a lot. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we there's so much shame. There's so much shame around sex, which we've talked about mm-hmm. a lot on the show. And there shouldn't be, but how do you, how do you change that? You know, because we're all raised... In homes where people were raised in homes where, you know, like... Yeah, totally. It's it's strange. It just goes all the way back in history. And I think we're getting better and better about it. But, but learning to remove our own shame so we can teach people to have none about sex. So then they can help create a more sexually enlightened society. And it can't be used as a weapon against people who are doing something sexually that isn't considered the societal norm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. such a huge undertaking, yeah. you know? Um, I have thoughts. Okay. How many? Exactly uh, how many? <laughs> two. Oh, okay. okay. Let's do it. One, from the work that I've done, I've noticed that there are two times in society where it's okay to talk about sex amongst your peers. And when is that? Uh, at... Bible uh, class? <laughs> Adult bir- female birthday parties. Interesting. Uh, yeah. 
And especially, um, like, naughty girl parties are a total thing, especially in, like, African-American groups. Like, like there's something about black women getting with, with their friends and having a not, like, specifically naughty girl party. It's not specific to them, but it's, I've noticed that they call it that more often. But sure. It's usually wanting to just get really naughty. And I have a hard time teaching at those events because they want to get so crazy and silly. And I'm so, like, no, really, we want to have learning moments. Like, no, we just want to suck on the cucumbers. And it's like, <laughs> but don't you want to oh come on guys um but so oh man (laughs) birthday parties slash naughty girl parties dirty 30 parties but then the other one would be when someone's about to get married right bachelorette parties but even in those situations it's okay to be more overtly sexual i think uh but it's not necessarily going to be accepted by everyone if you just blurt out something that you're into that not everyone is into. You know what I mean? Having been at these, like I love the fact that I get to be this person that just gets to experience a bunch of women hanging out before one of their friends gets married and like Mm -hmm. how it goes down. But if something, like if I mention something sexual, like one, I'm the permission giver. Like I come in and I, I give permission to everyone that it's okay to. And usually it takes about 30 to 45 minutes for women to actually loosen up and actually start talking about what they actually like. And for the first 30 to 45 minutes, it definitely is like everyone kind of freezes up and, and kind of some people will – there's always that one or two, two, uh, two girls on the side who do say like what they're into. Like, oh, yeah, spanking. You know, sometimes I like that. Um, but – it it definitely it's an art form to kind of open up a, a group to talking about sex. But, sure. But if you're going to do it, that's that's the time. I think it's funny because I think that the that's absolutely true for almost all situations where it's all men that are there. Also. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, guys are when there are no women around. A lot of the time, guys are like pretty raunchy, uh, and I mean, you can see that. That's a lot of the reason why comedy can be so raunchy and so dirty because there's something that feels very personal about being on stage and a lot of people carry on stage how they're funny with their friends and the way that they're funny with their friends can be, um, you know, well, it can be misogynist, which is way too bad when that happens, but it can be like, you know, it can be really sexual being constantly talking about how you have sex with women, how it happens, you know what I mean? And that's what I enjoy about your comedy um, and comedians like you is that uh, the model that only uh, guys talking about sex and joking about sex equals women are dumb and we just like to bone them. You know, it's this sort of uh, this very small-minded approach to to sex. Sure, it is. And I do – it is very interesting though that it's it is seems so contained because I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know that a bachelorette party uh, is a place where women are very open with talking about sex. It's something about the genders being in the same room that muddles the, the muddies the water. And the penis straws. Penis straws, yeah, sure. Those are fun. We yeah, well that we can't do that. What well, society says men can't use penis straws. Oh, that's true. But there are vulva straws. Are there vulva straws? There are vulva straws. Man, I would think that there would be a, like more like a vulva spoon. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> to stir and your coffee? seem more like more uh, logical for the shape of a vulva. It's true. It's, I mean, there is a little bit of straw coming out of the vulva. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a little awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. still put it in your mouth. Sure. Oh, I see. If it's the tip of the straw. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like a little kazoo. 
Yeah, because a penis straw could be just a, the whole straw could be a penis, is what I mean. And a vulva oh. spoon, the whole spoon could be a vulva. I sound like a serial killer right now. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I don't know, you, you can't have a successful bachelorette party without penis straws, is all I'm saying, is they are hours of fun. Oh, someone who hates penis straws just freaked <laughs> out right now. Yes, you can! <laughs> it's, it's, that's the one thing I've seen is... Penis straws at every bachelorette party. Even if the bride to be says, "Don't bring anything penis," you gotta have penis straws because there's something hilarious and people just can't stop laughing because every time they want to drink something, oh, it's ridiculous. There's a penis in your it's face. It's gotta be it's, ridiculous. It's really funny. Um, anyway, at every bachelor party, there's heroin. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> no, so anyway, so that was thought number one. Is um, you know, how can we make sure that when these special times, you know. Naughty girl parties, dirty thirty parties, bachelor parties come about in women's groups. Is how can we facilitate that that be a fun time of talking about sex in a lighthearted way that doesn't have to be all heavy? Like integrate some like I dirty charades, you know, like it's really <laughs> fun. Like trying to figure out how to you know make your friends guess basic instinct. You know, it's just this hilarious thing, and it kind of lightens. Sure, it helps. I've just seen it help. You know, um, and it brings, and honestly, it brings groups of women closer. Like they'll say near the end, like when I come in for a workshop and they go, wow, we, I can't believe we're so afraid to talk about this stuff. Like, yeah, like that. I just learned so much. And like, they actually have this round table discussion of like, guys, we've never talked about this. And I leave kind of feeling like, yes, I am changing the world. Sure, yeah. But also you had a really good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I also wonder. I don't have an answer for this, but I wonder if it's possible to, I mean, how you could get more, like, people more comfortable with speaking about sex across genders. Because I think about it, it's so hilarious that women, I think, have this role that's given to them by society or our culture or their culture, wherever they came from. Many cultures have the custom that, you know, you don't talk about that stuff around. You don't want to gross women out. You don't want to be rude. They're like the the delicate, the yeah, fair I get, sex. Uh, guys um, will apologize to me for asking me a question about sex. It's like sure. this. I talk about this all day long. Right. Well, but we come from a place where you don't. You you're that's rude or gross totally. or or off putting. And then women don't want to talk about it because they don't want to not be the fair sex. They don't want to be you know disgusting or they're not supposed to be that. We're, We're all, all just nuts. like going through these terrible motions. We all have the thoughts. I, I wish I had an answer for how to solve that. Um, well, I have a thought, okay. but this is going to involve celebrities and <laughs> Gallagher and Regis. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. We take so many of our cues from our celebrities, absolutely, our royalty of this day and age, our celebrities, and if they can find it in their hearts too. If you're listening to this and you're famousy and have fans really just saying like, yeah, I you know, have a sex toy or and it was really awesome. Like, or, you know, the hubby yeah. and I, or like I was with this partner of mine and, you know, we were talking about sex and this crazy thing happened where the waiter came over or just integrating it into an interview. Like it's no big deal. Right. Well, it would be a d- big deal for them though. I think like, uh, that would be a story. It would be all over. Everyone would make fun of them. The thing is that, like, I would really like that. And what really what needs to happen is for some celebrities to just bite the bullet and do it. Because you're going to say those things and then 
you know, Perez Hilton all the way to, I don't know, uh, people playing cards in their basement. Are you just going to be like, yeah, yeah, you're the dildo guy. Tom Cruise and his wife own a dildo. Dildo Tom. Like, that's the way it's going to go. But people just need to do it. And until. But it doesn't have to be that crazy. It can be totally like, it can be like, you don't have to be Dildo Tom, but you can be like. Um... <laughs> now I want to call him Dildo Tom because he is a dildo. Um, dildo Tom. That sounds like a pet name I'd give someone for. That's the name of the, uh, the Nerdist channel show we should make. Dildo Tom. Yeah. It should be an Dildo animated Tom. series. And all his friends. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Dildo Tom and the Volva Express. Choo-choo! <laughs> and, uh, and every episode will have the exact same plot line as an episode of Full House. Okay, no, focus. A social change. Social change. Okay, so... Dildo Tom. My thought is, what if a celebrity on a talk show is like, you know, I just find it really important that for a successful marriage, we're having so many problems that the divorce rate is so high. Sure. Yeah, that's we, a good idea. We, that... A successful intimacy life and talking about our our intimacy, that's a key ingredient to lasting relationships. I mean, just being able to say that as a – I mean, you can't – Yeah. That We need those sound bites to start infiltrating when that's people are – That's a really are, good idea. Just, you know, let it be known that people have sex a lot and that's okay. And the words pleasure, <laughs> sensuality, and intimacy are a lot easier to hear than sex, dildo, cock. I mean, you can say softer words. I do love my sex, dildo, cock, though. <laughs> I think it's also a good sign that things like Fifty Shades of Grey are becoming so popular. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, yeah, there's a lot of sex on TV. That's interesting. It's always sensationalized, though. <gasps> I just started uh, watching The Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It's uh, Game of Thrones, not the Game of Thrones. But, I know. I but, said the because mm-hmm. it's like a really important because it's, freeway it's in my It's the life. only thing that you're watching now. <laughs> I just started watching the Game of Thrones and stopped doing everything else. <laughs> I will be going home tonight and watching more Game of Thrones. How far are you along? Oh, only two episodes. Oh, man. Yeah. Oof. Well, but yeah. I randomly watched an episode, half an episode in the second season, so I know some shit goes down. So I feel... All kind of shit goes down. Yeah, no, things. The and second I know season things. ends like, what? Well, I hope but so. But like, what though? I feel like every episode's a little like, what? But then again, I've only seen two episodes. I'm so excited. Okay, and there's lots of fur. There's lots of fur. Absolutely. Lots of furry lots of animals. Rest. Lots of boobies. Is there any frontal nudity? A male? Uh, no. No frontal male nudity. Okay. I mean, come on. We're not there yet. Well, doesn't True Blood have frontal? I've never seen True Blood. Okay, I think True Blood has had full frontal. Also, if you see awesome depictions of sexuality, let me know uh, on the Facebook page. And, and definitely if you want to, at Sex Nerd Sandra, the Facebook page, please, yeah. Or you can email me too, it's fine, I guess. I, I want to know what's happening in the world. Anyway, I want listeners to be... As Reed Mahalko says, the change you want to see in the bedroom. And that includes disseminating sex-positive messages in really simple ways. Why is the divorce rate so high? Well, people don't talk. You talk about everything but sex? That, that's not talking about everything. You know, intimacy. Yeah. You know, more eye-gazing, more making out. Make-out sessions could save your marriage. It's possible. You know? Yeah, I wonder how many married people remember to just make out. Not that many, at yeah. least the ones I've talked to. I would bet, yeah. Yeah. It's just something that doesn't occur to you. Making out so fun. Yeah. 
I mean, sex is great for sex's sake, and people can choose to have sex for many different reasons, but I know a lot of us just want to have meaningful relationships. Yeah. And I care about that. I mean, only have sex to have kids. Everyone. You know what I mean? But everything else is fine. That's my new message. That's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I just crossed myself. <clears throat> Very Catholic. Um, okay. Uh, you know, this is an ongoing thought process. I realize this was more of a brainstorm, but yeah, ways to reduce the shame and make it okay so that when people are trying to, you know, pass legislation about sexual rights and the people who are not for it don't feel like they can speak up because it's not sure you know your community will frown upon you that's that's a difficult place for democracy it's a, probably a place to start with getting your your friends more uh, able to talk about sex is to tell them about this show or I don't know whatever else Loveline Dan Savage's show whatever uh, and you know then they'll listen to that and you'll have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a little perfect icebreaker, I think. Yeah. It's too bad we don't have some popular te- Game of Thrones, you know. And then talk <laughs> all about that the sex incest, scenes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that. No, no, but ha- yes, having <laughs> a show that you can talk—that's a really good idea, actually. Yeah. Uh, to start the conversation with you and like a partner, for sure. Anyway, uh, Dave, thank you for uh, you're welcome brainstorming with me. And oh, stuff. you're welcome. And thank you for listening. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Sandra, for having me on your show. Thank you for being a part of this show and making this way more fun than if I were just talking to myself. You're welcome. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for the hugs and the good times and the memories. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. At this moment, this is when the podcast jumped the shark. (laughs) We became, at the end of episode 60, Sandra and Dave became robots. Um, I know. Seriously, though, uh, I'm so glad we got to talk to Dr. Marty Klein. Um, Please check out his blog. Check out his book. um, And, yeah, go Team Fun. Go Team Fun. High five. High five. Oh, Oh, come on. Oh, Oh, yeah. That kind of hurt me a little bit. Hot. Now leaving Nerdist.com.